listening to audio drama in a darker shade at darkerprojects.com. And now our feature presentation. Projects presents Tales from the Museum, The Beginning, a miniseries written by Charles Russell, starring Joshua Bruce as James Lee Shepard. thing I've learned in the time I've been here, when Richard Faring says he wants the Regional Museum to be the preeminent center of learning and a beaker of knowledge, well, he means it. When he says he wants knowledge to be fully available to the common man, he means that too. The places that serve as the cradles of our civilization, now no more than forgotten place names on faded maps. Take this guy, Dr. Omar Teshman, Ph.D., an archaeologist from up north, the University of the Hudson. For the past hour and a half, he had been talking about his travel, discoveries, and theories about the ancient world. He showed slides, too. Richard Faring, my boss, referred to Teshman as one of the true experts of all things archaeological. And so, my friends, I think we can all agree that the field of archaeology is many things. It is the artistic endeavor, a love affair with the ancient past, and the greatest detective novel ever written. I thank you for your time, and good evening. What did you think? Well, it was no Ripley's Believe It or Not, but interesting stuff. Do you buy his spiel about lost civilizations? I'm keeping an open mind. You and me both. We stay with the crowd, right? Right. Faring wants us to keep a sharp eye out for anything out of the ordinary. He says that some of Teshman's artifacts are on the pricey side of things. Can't have anything go missing. Ladies and gentlemen, you are all invited to refreshments in the main gallery. If you would make your way, please. 
out of the ordinary for regular people or out of the ordinary for this place? Your discretion. Let's go check out the buffet, shall we? Yes, let's. I hear they're serving a delightful champagne punch. Lovely. It was a pretty good crowd. Maybe a hundred people in all. Nicely dressed men and women. Professor types from the college. Professional types from in town. Student types. Married types. Even some regular people. Everybody looked harmless. Then I spotted him. Two punches, please. Ruthie. Yeah? Over there across the room, near the statue. See him? I see him. The guy in the fez. You know, I've never once seen a guy wearing a fez around here. Suspicious? It qualifies. He just ducked through that door. Where does it go? That leads to the rear hallway and then out to the courtyard. The rear entrance to the conference room connects to it. We should check this out, right, boss? Absolutely. You go around front. Use the main door. I'll follow the fez. Right. Be careful. Thanks. was partially hidden by a bronze statue of Copernicus. I tried the knob. It was unlocked. It was a narrow but well-lit hallway, about ten feet long. It took a sharp left towards the rear of the downstairs conference rooms. I peeked around the corner to see him kneeling in front of the gallery door. He was picking the lock. The door opened and he glanced both ways before entering. When the door closed behind him, I counted to ten, then followed. I had just gotten to the door when it opened again. The man with the fez was standing there with a small wooden box under his arm. Oh, uh... Evening, sir. Let's step back inside, shall we? Yes, I suppose so. For a brief second there, I think he was toying with the idea of rushing me. But I was a good foot taller and maybe 50 pounds heavier. He thought better of it. Yes. We walked into the conference room. This was where three long tables of artifacts had been lovingly laid out on display. He set the box down on one of the tables next to a set of Coptic jars. He turned to face me, lifted his hands. I am unarmed. Good to know. But just the same, keep your hands there where I can see them. Good. Now, a name. Aziz. My name is Aziz. Okay, Aziz. Obvious question. What's in the box? Arastak. What? You would not know. No one here would know of the Arastak. I was just about to ask what an Arastak was, but then the cavalry showed up. In this case, that would be Ruthie, Richard Faring, and Dr. Teshman. Over there. Ruthie, Mr. Faring, Dr. Teshman. This is Aziz. You! Greetings, Doctor. I remember telling you that we would meet again. I have come for Arastak. This is insane! Would you please place this misguided crusade behind you? Never. I have come to retrieve what you should not have. Teshman. Aziz works for the Cairo Museum. He has been harassing me ever since I returned to the States. Hard as it may be to believe, Doctor, I am fighting for your life. You have Arastak. 
Arastak does not belong here. Ah, this is foolishness. Mr. Faring, as a representative of the University of the Hudson, I was duty-bound to follow all archaeology conventions and all government restrictions when the artifacts were brought to this country. Most of this is on loan and must be returned next year. This is true. However, Arastak was not intended to be included with this display, was it? Arastak was protected by a treaty with the Cairo authorities. His being here is a mistake. A potentially fatal mistake. Allow me. On the table, in the box. The wooden box was about the size of a lady's shoebox. There was a set of brass latches on each side. He lifted the lid, and we all looked in. Apparently, a Arastak was a... It's... a bracelet? A bracelet shaped like a snake. Apparently, a Rastak was a piece of jewelry. A long coil of silver sculpted into the form of a snake. Maybe a foot long, coiled with the head up and the hood extended. Its mouth was open, and the fangs were in place. It looked like the thing would wrap around a man's forearm. The head of the serpent would rest in the wearer's palm. A very lifelike piece of work, I thought. Behold, Arastak. A weapon which dates back to antiquity, beyond antiquity. The snake god. He is talking about a deified Egyptian cobra. An asp. Not a snake god, not an idol. As with all Westerners, you mock that which you do not understand. You have no idea what your ignorance could have unleashed. None. What you see is a representation of the Iskari asp, a breed of cobra with a venom so potent one bite will kill a healthy man in less than three minutes. Three minutes of agonizing death. Mr. Faring, you cannot... I might want to hear why a man would risk prosecution to steal a bracelet. Ah, here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, I have been dispatched to investigate your sudden disappearance. Your wife sent me, Mr. Faring. Oh yeah, I believe it. Is this a private party? Actually, we're dealing with some cursed jewelry. Pardon? Please, continue. Thank you. The legend of the Arastak begins before recorded time, before the modern man arose, before the Romans, the Greeks, the Egyptians, before the people of Babel, there was the land of Iskar. This was a savage and rugged land in what is now the Lower Sahara. Our legends tell of a warlord, his name lost to time, who ruled the land with an iron hand. His personal symbol was the Iskari Asp. The reptile still exists, but only in this region. Like many powerful men, he lusted for his power and clung to it above all. But he had enemies. All men like him have enemies. It is the way of nature. Balderdash. As he aged and saw his iron grip weakening, the warlord approached the high priest of a snake cult. He offered riches and power if the priest would provide him with a weapon that would allow him to strike at enemies without being seen. The two of them fashioned this piece of jewelry, and the priest enchanted it. It was named Arastak, Silver Death. Anybody else getting shivers? As well you should, child. Now the warlord was armed with a master-killing weapon. He would wear the asp, it would feed off of his essence. Then, on command, it would come to life and attack the warlord's enemies. It would attack, then return to its master. There would be no trace, only fang marks. 
Sounds like something out of weird tales. You may scoff, I do understand, but I beg of you. Let me return this to the proper authorities in Cairo. Probably your call, sir. Yes. Right. Catherine and Ruthie, go check the buffet line. Dr. Argus Pietrov is in attendance. He's our local herpetologist. Find him. If he's sober, bring him here. Why? You're the one who said to check all sources of information. Let's start by finding out if there really is such a thing as an Iskari asp. Come on, Doc. Right behind you. Uh, herpetologist? We have a snake guy? We share one with the college. Argus is no Raymond Dinmars, but he'll do. Jim, you keep an eye on these two. They don't leave the room. The chancellor at University on the Hudson is a friend of mine. I think I'll try to call him. Right. All right, gentlemen. Let's have a seat and get comfortable. This is just too much. This is enough. I will not sit here and have my name or my work besmirched by a superstitious... Sit down, Teshman. Ignorant... I said to sit down, Teshman. Step back from the table. Teshman, don't. The archaeologist picked up the Araztac and held it up for us to see. See, Aziz? See, I'm holding your precious Araztac. Come on, Iskariasp. Strike me. Strike me dead, I dare you. Come on, then. Prove me wrong once and for all. Teshman tossed the ornament back into the box. An expression of utter contempt was on his face. Teshman, you fool. You do not know what you have done. What have I done? Do you see, Aziz? Nothing. This is nothing but a lump of silver, and you have an ignorant tribal myth to wrap it in. You have nothing. Huh? The lights. What happened to the lights? And it begins. You have doomed yourself, Dr. Teshman. Arastak will be coming for you. What's that? sound. Where's the door? You cannot escape, Dr. Teshman. This is precisely what I was trying to prevent. Get the door open! Open this door now! They cannot hear you. No one can hear you. No one can hear anything happening in this room. There is the legend of a sultan, a powerful man who ran afoul of the warlord. He was visited by the Arastak. He died in his tent. He died in screaming agony. Nobody heard him. Not reassuring, Aziz. It was not meant to be. Merely a statement of fact. You seem calm. As do you. You have faced death before, yes? In the war, perhaps? Yes. I know that I have nothing to fear. I did not touch Arastak. I did not mock him. What's that? I I felt something. (sighs) Wait. Rear door. Where's the back door to this room? You will not find it in time. Obvious question. What do we do? We? As in you and I? Nothing. We cannot prevent the inevitable. Mr... I apologize, I did not hear your name. Jim Shepard. At your service, sir. Tell me, have you touched Arastak? Me? I didn't even know it existed until a few minutes ago. Good. You may survive. 
It may interest you to know that the last incident involving Arastak was in 1914, just before the British made Egypt a protectorate. Agents of the Kaiser looted our museum. Arastak was one of the items taken. A few days later, Arastak reappeared with dried blood on his fangs. Interesting. Interesting? Interesting? What about me? I am very sorry, Doctor. We can do nothing. This is black sorcery at work. Open this door! In the name of... No, no, I will not go out like this. A pistol. That will not work. Not against Arastak. It's not intended to. Aziz, Tashman, what? Tashman, Tashman. That's when the lights came back on. It was a sickening sight that met my eyes. There was Aziz lying in a pool of his blood. He was still breathing. Not so for Dr. Omar Tashman, PhD. He lay on his back near the door, eyes open in terrified death. On the wrist above his gun hand, two bloody puncture wounds. I looked over at the display table. Rastak was sitting there, on its wooden pedestal, smiling at me. Jim, I... Dear Lord. Sir, we need an ambulance. Now. Ruthie, Catherine, belay my orders. Find a physician. You know how in the movies when someone yells, is there a doctor in the house? Well, guess what Ruthie did. Is there a doctor in the house? Is there a doctor in the house? Crude, but effective. Turned out that we had three doctors in the crowd. A surgeon, a pediatrician, and a gynecologist. The three of them came running and took care of Aziz until an ambulance arrived. As the attendants were loading Aziz's stretcher on the ambulance, he beckoned me over. Did we stop it? Are we safe? No. Tashman died. I see. His arrogance killed him. You must not keep it. You must... Send it back to the Cairo Museum. One of the curators. His name is Fahid. He will know what to do with it. Promise me, Shepard, you must... I'll send it out first thing. Now, let these guys take care of you. You've had a rough night. I'm not sure what to make of this. Me neither. The scary part is, I'm getting used to it. What did you see? I didn't see much of anything. It was completely dark. There wasn't even light coming in from around the door. There was a slithering noise. And Tushman screamed. Sir, how long were you in the hallway? A matter of seconds. I stepped out after Ruthie and Dr. Caspian. Then I came back in. It occurred to me that I did not have Aziz's full name. Why? Tushman was pounding on the door. Didn't hear it. Gunshots? No. Right. That clock on the wall, is that the right time? Yes, 8.15. Remember, we synchronized watches earlier. My watch says 8.30. Oh. Just drop this wooden box over the snake. 
Don't touch it. Not planning on it. Then we clamp it down. There, that should hold it. Good. You said there was a safe in Jim's office? Yes. Hey, Doc, can I ask you something? Of course. Did you hear anything? That was a 32 Teshman was packing. Even with the music playing, we should have heard that, shouldn't we? Yet we did not. Do you think? Ruthie, I'm an astronomer. I spend most of my time looking up. Right now, I find that oddly comforting. Right. Let's go lock this thing up. Ruthie, I thought you never, never, ever worked late in this place. You and a few others are known for it. Yeah, but there are a couple of exceptions to that rule. Such as? Well, for one thing, free food. Did you see that buffet? I'll tell you this. When the big boss puts on a feed, he really puts on a feed. I agree. Right. Let's lock this up. Ruthie, do you suppose I could see it once more? What on earth for? Morbid curiosity, I suppose. Well, okay. Just don't touch it. I'll put it on this table here. Here it is. Hideous little thing, isn't it? Yes. It's hideous, but beautiful. I'm not going to say beautiful. Not after tonight, anyway. You saw what that thing did to Tashman. I did, I did. Let's close it back up. Then I'll lock it up. Of course. Then let's visit the buffet. I could do with something to eat myself. You know, I can see why Shepard likes you. You're okay. (laughs) Thank you, I think. Make yourself comfortable. I'll be right back. Here we go. Fifteen left... 23 right, 9 left. (laughs) What? No, no! Ruthie, come to me, come to me, Ruthie. Come to me, come to me. Dr. Caspian! Dr. Caspian! Ruthie, whatever is the matter? Doc, we have to run! It's here, that... that thing! Sleepwalker! I know, Ruthie. I know. Doc? Hear me, Ruthie. You cannot run. You cannot scream. You cannot speak. You hear only my voice, Ruthie. Only my voice. Hear my voice, Ruthie. Special little Ruthie, I've been saving you. Saving you for tonight. This special night for a special girl like you. Ever since that night in the alley. (laughs) In here. Does she have it? She does. Bring her. The time is nigh.
You've been listening to Tales from the Museum, The Beginning, entitled The Silver Death, written by Charles Russell. Featured in tonight's episode were Joshua Perus as James Shepard, Victoria Perus as Ruthie Ballard, Rachel Pulliam as Dr. Catherine Caspian, Ellie Hirschman as The Sleepwalker, Dave Morgan as Dr. Omar Teshman, David Alt as Aziz, and yours truly as Richard Faring and the announcer. The original music was composed by Joey Stuckey, Kevin McLeod, Jacob Pietras, Shahid Mustafar, and Amit Weiner. Produced by MJ Cogburn. Post-production by Neil Gustin. The executive producer of Darker Projects is MJ Cogburn. This has been a Darker Projects production. This is Shane Harris. Thank you for listening.